Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Howdy, folks. Happy Tuesday. We're back for another edition of the Hockey Buzzcast. Uh, Russ, get us started with some pre-show. Yeah, so yesterday was the uh, MLB draft, and admittingly, the hardest draft on earth because yes. you were trying to project high school players, prep school players. They haven't gone any higher than that, mm -hmm. most likely when, we, when you're getting them. Some have played a year of college, and, and that's all you have to go by. And and yesterday, um, the Mets took a third base in the last, last name of Batty, which is a good baseball name. And the issue with that is he is 20 years old. Okay. Then, of course, comes the automatic criticism, though you've never seen the player before because he's older than you expect to be in high school. Okay. And so, again, I, I – I flinch at that the same way with hockey. It's like, you know, Nick Abrasiz, he's a 20-year-old in the NHL draft, right? Right. Does that mean you shouldn't take him? No. Because if, if he looks good right now and he's doing everything that checks off on the box for you, right? why wouldn't you do it? Are you just going to say, well, he's dominating the talent he's playing against, so I have no interest? Well, you know, no. no. No, but but and I and I know this because I asked this question when we were talking to other people on the weekend mm -hmm. at the combine. Is a guy like Brett Lesion, mm -hmm. uh, who played in the WHL last year. He's a big kid, six four, I think two twenty, and had a great year mm -hmm. this year. I think it was eighty nine points. And, but the thing is, and he's and he's twenty, so he's doing this against 17, eight, mm -hmm. 16, 17, 18 year olds. So you have to sort of mitigate the the achievement in terms of how many points he scored. Uh, now I know that he got moved from one WHL team to another, so the opportunity was greater. But you also you also have to consider that he's bigger, stronger, and older than his, his competition. And how does that factor into where he slots in in the draft? I mean. Teams have started to be more open to drafting overagers. I know the Leafs over the last two or three years have done that. Mm -hmm. Other teams are following suit because they have more of an more accurate indicator of what the player is going to be because they're a little older. But it's tougher to it's tough to gauge how good they are based on the fact that they're playing against younger competition mostly. Right, and that's why they have scouts for that and. Many thought, hey, this, this kid who happens to be a third baseman, first third baseman the Mets have drafted in the first round since David Wright, mm -hmm. uh, had the best bat in the draft. So if you, Michael Jello, have a chance to draft this kid and you're up 12th and you feel like he's the best bat in the draft, are you not taking him because he's 20? That's my question to you. Because I, well, I, I, I would take him. The only thing that would be a consideration for me is can I sign him? And in Major League Baseball yeah. – if you can't get him signed, he goes back in the draft, just like in the NHL. But in the NHL, it's after two years. In baseball, I think it's a year, right? Year. Yeah. So it's until the next year, like a full calendar year. Right. So now, uh, you know, interestingly, in, in sticking with baseball for a second here, 
once the draft started, the compensation for signing a free agent ended. Right. And now all you're hearing now is Kim, uh, Craig Kimbrell and Dallas Keuchel and who's going to sign them. And the thing that, you know, I mean, I would be in favor of the Yankees signing Keuchel because they have some injuries on their in their rotation. Paxson's just coming back from a knee injury. Sabathia is, you know, pretty old. Severino is not a guarantee to come back. The thing is, is that this guy – even though they're saying he's been pitching simulated games all this time, I don't care if he is. He's not pitching against competition, and he hasn't pitched against major league hitters in eight months. That scares me, and I think it should scare any team that's considering signing him. I don't think it should scare him enough. Like, literally, simulated games at least mean his arm's in shape, and you don't have to send him to extended spring training in rookie league. You know, like down where the head, team's headquartered, so they start from scratch, right? You're not doing that. He's not starting from scratch. So literally, if you get a player like this, whether it's Kimbrell or it's um, Keuchel, you know what? You let them have two minor league starts or a couple of minor league appearances. They look good. You bring them up. Like, it's on them. I'm not worried about it. I think if they can cruise through that, I'm fine with that. I think they probably can, to be honest. Yeah, and I don't know what the salary is going to be, but there, I heard some talk about like $16, $17 million for – and that would be prorated for the season. But Right, that's the whole thing. So if, he, if it's Keiko, $17 million, turns into like twelve, and Kimbrell, $11 million, what does it turn into like eight, something right. like that. So, you know, I mean, you're paying more for, for guys that barely play sometimes making that. Yeah, and with pitchers, though, I mean, it, I mean, all I can say is that to bring it back to hockey, again – you see the effect of not participating in spring training or training camp and a couple months into the season on how that happened you know, with William Nylander and how that affected his play. Hockey's much more demanding. I, 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 don't, I grant that. I'm just saying the, the layoff, the fact that he wasn't mm -hmm. active. And, you know, I mean, I, I was the one who asked the question of Babcock, shouldn't he play in the American Hockey League? And he – out of hand just dismissed it and said no there was no thought of it and i think in the end he would have benefited from playing a couple weeks in the american hockey league maybe he would have gotten him off on a better start in the nhl and in the end he got off to a terrible start and his it never got much better and now i think neilander is somebody who put, could potentially get traded this summer because of cap reasons so All right, but, but you know let me ask you this you know you missed the last game of the year Next year, when you start up in bowling, what did you do in the offseason to get ready for that bowling? Like, why would I even want you on my team? Well, I'm a finely tuned athlete, so. <laughs> Hello, Hockey World. Today is Tuesday, June 4th, 2019. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. And I'm the finely tuned Michael Agello, and this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. Well, we have a tie Stanley Cup, uh, now 2-2, heading to Game 5 in Boston on Thursday. A 4-2 victory for the St. Louis Blues over the Bruins. Uh, Russ, to my mind, this was the most entertaining of the four games in the series, maybe because uh, it was, I think, the most physical. I mean, these guys were flying around. Um, I mean, there were some there were some checks thrown in this game, and you know there was some skill as well. But I think physically, this was the most out there of the of the four games. Sure, um, I felt like the Blues played the closest to what I expect the Blues to play most games in that one. Uh, Ruby said they were calm, so that was good. So he was right. 
Although I think you said that after before every game in the Stanley Cup, if I remember. But that's all right. Uh, they did what they were supposed to do. He made some adjustments. Remember, we talked about Craig Berube making adjustments. He did that. Sanford actually paid some dividends. Uh, certainly done, but you know, Dunn played about the, the amount of minutes I thought, and honestly, helping on that goal was good, no question. But I didn't think his contribution at the beginning of the game, at the end of the game, were the same. He's, he's not going to be the same. He's still going to be better than Bortuzzo, but he's not going to be the same. Right, and 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 Alex Pitarangelo played almost 30 minutes. They, they, it, was, it was a desperate game. They were in a desperate straits. They needed to win that game to stay in the series. If they go behind 3-1, they yeah. probably don't come home. Uh, for game six. So, I mean, desperate, desperate, desperate times uh, require desperate measures. Let's point out a big, a big obvious though. Yeah. A big obvious is when you have Zdeno Chara out sitting on the bench, not talking. So we're pretty sure it's a broken jaw. Eck thought so before most, and a lot of people are talking about it. Yeah. Uh, I felt like, yeah, there's something going on there because he was awfully still on the bench and he wasn't saying a word. And, you know, so I, so I'm going to go broken jaw or something fractured jaw, something hairline fracture, something like that, right? But him and Grizzlick aren't in the lineup, right. and that's massive. Like if you take out two of the top defenders in the Blues lineup, you're going to have a problem. You saw what just done out what it would be. The fact that Chara wasn't there at key times in that third period, mm -hmm. that's an adjustment now that Boston's going to have to make if he doesn't play next game because that's where he was desperately missed on the penalty kill and late in that game. Yeah, I'm not sure about broken jaw. I, I was thinking at least two or three, maybe even four teeth knocked out because, I mean, he was spitting out blood, and usually yeah. if it's a fracture of a jaw, I mean, unless it breaks the skin. I mean, I don't know. I'm not, I'm just, I'm not a doctor. I'm just playing one on a buzzcast. But I, but I, I, I just think that uh, it's possible it's not a broke. If it's teeth, I mean, it's just, you know, if, if basically it, it broke off, three or four teeth, he's going to be in an immense pain. They probably, I don't know if they could wire his jaw shut in the locker room. I don't think they have a dentist with them. They may have a doctor. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe he was just, you know, he was keeping his jaw closed because of the right. pain. I'm sure he was given something to relieve the pain. Yeah. He seemed a little, he seemed a little out of it. And that's oh, why, yeah. probably why the doctor said he can't go on the ice because if they administer like a heavy dose of pain medication, then he's not, he doesn't have all of his. Um, no, but they, made a good, they made a good point. Like if there was a, a too many men on the ice penalty, he could have served it. Yes, that's true. So you at least, you know, then you're not losing anything. And, but, he's trying, and he was trying to provide moral support to the team. Yeah. It was a close game. He's the captain. I mean, you know, nobody wants to see anybody get hurt. Uh, and it was it was not a it was not a purposeful play. It just it, it, he just gets hit in the, hit in the in the face in the jaw area, and whatever happened. Now the question is whether he can play. They're lucky in the sense that there's an extra day here, and that game four game five is on Thursday. But I, I have to say, like really, St. Louis stepped up physically and I think emotionally as well. And the move of Sanford to that second line with O'Reilly. Yeah, Sanford is not a very skilled player, but he's a high-energy player, and he was throwing his body around. Well, O'Reilly started out that game like yeah. a house on fire, and, and we have to give him all the credit because he really helped lead the early charge. The, the one play that I didn't like – and again, this is where the Bruins will have to make an adjustment is the fact that Tarasenko got in there yeah. for like an open shot. Now, partially big credit to him for seeing that opening and knowing 
where the puck's going to be. But man, that just that was a devastating goal. So, hey, good win for St. Louis. Their actual first win ever in a Stanley Cup game. Yeah, great for them. Well, f- first win at home in fifty-two. At home, yeah. yeah. Um, and I'll tell you something. And I know that you've talked about him for more than a few years. And I remember when he first came up to the NHL, and I think I saw him once or twice playing against the Marlies. Barbashev is – I mean, he is transformed. He is a house on fire. He, Him and Sunquist. I mean, you talk about how you know teams have to have effective fourth liners. Well, Sun, Sunquist and, and Barbashev, I mean, they're pains in the ass to play against. I mean, that's what you need from depth forwards is make a difference. If it's not scoring, then physically. And they're just throwing their bodies around with reckless abandon. Yeah, I – I agree. And Barbashev always was a guy that would do that. He always, even when he was a top scoring type, would always throw his body around. He enjoys it. He's he's like a mini Ovechkin in that way. He enjoys that part of the game. So they have found a good role for him since he's not scoring like the way he used to. Mm-hmm. And so you know what? Good for him. I mean, that's that's making the adjustment and that's smart by just the way they're using him. I, I give him a lot of credit. Yeah, and now so game game five is on Thursday. I mean, obviously the big question will be whether Chara will play or not. If Chara doesn't play, then you're talking about because Connor Clifton's already in the lineup. Uh, mm-hmm. John Moore was in there to replace Grizzlick. You're talking about Stephen Camphor or Uko Vekanainen. I know that's. I would put Vekanainen over Camphor. I mean, that's I a, that, that's a pretty pressure situation. To put it is, in. but this kid plays amongst men overseas. Yeah. How good did he look before he got concussed with the Bruins in the regular season? He looked pretty good. Yeah. He's a he's a he's a good sized guy. He's got good fresh legs, can get the puck out of the zone. It's not like you're asking him to play a ton of minutes. You're probably asking him to play 12 minutes. I would rather have that than Stephen Camper, who, yes, will check a few guys, mm-hmm. but can really make a boneheaded play. And and, well, and you know what's going to happen, though. They're going to load more minutes on McAvoy and oh, yeah. Carlo and Krug. And I have to say, boy, Charlie McAvoy is going to make big money this oh, summer. Yeah. Because, I mean, Russ, when I when he started, and I know that you get acclimated to the NHL after a year or two and you become more comfortable. When he was with the Bruins early in his career, he was impressive, but he wasn't that physical. And he in that game last night. I mean, there was a there was a couple shifts where every time a a Blues player tried to come into the zone, he stood up at the blue line and checked the guy. You know, basically shoved him face in the face or shoved him in the shoulders. I mean, boy, is he going to make a ton of money? Oh, he is. I mean, again, I think people never realized how good he was even heading into the draft, even after his first year. He just keeps getting better, Mike, and the more experience he gets the better he gets. I mean, the biggest thing about him is nothing really phases him. The stage, the bigger stage doesn't phase him. Hockey is hockey for this guy, and it slows down for him. And he skates great, and he doesn't make dumb plays. When do you see Charlie McAvoy make like this one where you say, oh, wow, that was bad? Very, very, very rarely. Let's Let's give a lot of credit to Brandon Carlo because I also think he has gotten marginalized over the last year because he plays with Chara. Like, without Chara, he was fantastic. You saw him clearing out the crease. Yeah. He is a workout warrior. Like, this is a guy that is one of the last to get off the ice. This guy works out a ton. He skates a lot. He's got physical 
gifts, and he also can, can skate the puck really well. And I think people have sort of said, well, you know, Tara takes care of his end for that. But it's more than that, and I think Carlo showed that too. Yeah, and I thought the most hilarious moment, and then we'll move on to other news, uh, the most hilarious moment of that of the, of the game last night was – you know, Brad Marchand being Brad Marchand and going, I think there was a whistle. He's coming around the net and he sticks Bennington with his stick right on his pad and Bennington flops like he'd been shot by Lee yeah. Oswald. That was, it was, it's that was it's bad on both ends. The flop I, I, I don't like, but I also don't like this gamesmanship from Bart Marchand because what he's trying to do is get somebody to respond and somebody to punch him in the jaw or, or bop him in the nose or something like that. And, you know, be one of the best players in the league. You don't have to be a freaking rat every single moment of the game. And so, so you know what? Someday somebody's going to catch that guy, and a lot of people aren't going to feel sorry for him. I'm, I'll tell you what's what is going to happen. One day a goalie is going to respond to him doing that in the wrong way. Goalies are getting bigger and stronger and more physical every moment. He's got to watch himself because yeah. – you know, in the old days, I get it. You could piss off the goalie. You could trip him. What was a goalie really going to do to an everyday player? Most of those goalies weren't that strong. Even if they fought, they weren't that strong now. Well, I mean, Hextall took the baseball swing of Kent Nielsen. So, right. you know, so – and we know Ray, the late Ray Emery could fight. And, yeah. you know, Scott – That's what I'm There's more of those kinds of guys now than the, than the other. And so Marshawn doing something like that, there's always going to be payback for that. But the Blues were smart because they had taken a lot of dumb penalties and they at least heeded the coach's warning by not getting mixed up in that. Yeah. All right. Now, during the game, there was some news that broke, and I think it'll, you know, it's sort of a precursor of what we're going to be dealing with on the Buzzcast uh, for, you know, the next, I'd say, five to six weeks, uh, which is, I mean, right now before the draft and before contract the, the existing contracts expire on the uh, – 30th of June or July 1st, um, you're going to see a, probably a more than a few trades of expiring contracts, re unrestricted free agents for something, for a draft pick. And we saw the first of those uh, last night where the Philadelphia Flyers traded a fifth round pick in 20, it was a 2019 fifth round pick yep. uh, to the Winnipeg Jets for the basically exclusive negotiating rights to Kevin Hayes. You know, now yeah. they have Hayes on the books, you know, floor or, or excuse me, uh, Philadelphia could accommodate that because they have a ton of cap space. Um, but this is basically, here's a fifth round pick to talk, be able to talk to Kevin Hayes for the next three weeks to see if they can get him locked up on a long-term deal. Now, everything Russ that was reported yesterday said they really hadn't talked much to Kevin Hayes they may have, you know, they, they they would have had to ask permission to Winnipeg to talk numbers, but right. they hadn't really talked. They now are looking at just, you know, negotiating with his agent. Uh, there's a connection there between Elaine Vigneault, who coached Hayes in New York, mm -hmm. and Hayes. So, and we know that the Flyers would be looking out for possibly a number two center behind Couturier. I mean, what do you think the odds are that they get uh, Hayes locked up? I would say uh... – 70%. I would, I would give it a 70%. I think there's a better than good chance. I, I think Kevin Hayes has been a guy that, let's face it, he's always wanted top dollar. That's why Chicago traded him. 
Right. The Rangers did negotiate with him, if you remember, before they put him out on the market. They were talking to him, mm-hmm. and I guess it never got to a point where they felt like it was the right number. He's an interesting guy. He, he definitely broke through with Delaney Vigneault, and then some will say did a little better after him. That's fine. But that's also because he had to. <laughs> there weren't as many players on the team. I can't hang it all on Vigneault, but I know the fans want to. Uh, look, end of the day, Vigneault knows how to use this guy. He will definitely get power play time. Will he get first power play time? Maybe not. That team's got a lot of guys on the power play, but definitely second power play time. Mm-hmm. And he'll get the second center spot. They'll move Nolan Patrick to the third center spot. And if they get him, it's great because I think people don't realize that he's got better than average speed. He's a big guy with with he's got some dangle in his game. He can get he could do some things in open ice. He's a good playmaker. He has really good vision. Does he have momentary lapses? Sure, but not as many as when he did years ago. So at, at this age, I, I I really like him, and I think this is a, a good pickup for them if they can make him you know get him signed because it's not giving up assets, and it's maybe not you know paying the Matt Duchesne sort of price to fill a, a position of weakness right now, and it is weakness until Nolan Patrick proves otherwise. So well, it's important. One way or one way or the other, the Flyers were going to end up spending more on their number two center than they're currently spending on their number one because Couturier is making four point one, I think it was, on a long term deal. And you know, we we sort of debated last night what we thought was you know what Hay, what would it, it would take to get Hayes signed. And you know, they're not going to sign him for eight years. Although, well, they couldn't even though if they traded for his rights because you'd have had to trade him trade him before. Um, Yet I had to trade him before the deadline to offer him the eight-year deal, um, but they can offer him seven years. But I don't, I can't perceive that they're going to sign him for seven years. I would probably say it's going to be five or six, and I think we're probably talking in the range of maybe six to six and a half. Yeah, I think six and a half by six, and you get them. I think what people have to realize is when you do trade the rights to a player, yes, that team feels like they have a very good chance of signing him. But that player knows, hey, if I'm going to this team, I'm not hitting free agency. So now this team needs to give me something that I may not have been able to get on free agency, whether that's another year, whether that's an extra half a million a year, because I'm now giving up the chance to do that right? so they can get me. So they're never going to get a guy like that on a discount unless the guy has always wanted to play there his entire life, like maybe Truba in Detroit. Yeah, they're, they're going to market, they're gonna have to pay market value. There's no discount here. Right. You're going to have to pay him like he was a UFA. All you're doing is you spent that fifth-round pick to talk to him three weeks early. That's yeah, everybody else out of it. That's all. Right. Um, okay, so we were we were chatting about this, so I think it's probably worthy of uh, of chatting. We mentioned a little bit about Patrick Marlowe yesterday. And, um, right. Okay, so – uh, there you go. It was the later than usual. No, well, no, because I had done it correctly at first, and then my computer dropped it, so I had to go back into it. Ah, okay. Um, we saw the report on the weekend from Nick Kiprios regarding potential teams and destinations for Marlowe, who appears open to being traded to the West. His family is returning to Northern California. He's got a year left in the contract. The Leafs uh, would like to clear the cap space, and I think, you know, I. My feel is, Russ, is that the Leafs, I think, will trade a prospect. 
they will take i think they'll take back salary now uh, my feeling is is the way that they're going to try to do this and there might be interested teams out there is they will take back a player who's making less aav like an alec martinez just to use as an example i'm not saying it's impossible but alec martinez the total is two. He's two years at four million dollars. That's eight million bucks. Right. Whereas Marlowe is one year at six and a quarter. Martinez is younger, so the Leafs are going to have to give up something more than just Marlowe. I mean, they're going to have to pay the Kings, but the Kings are getting cap relief off of that going forward. And there's been some talk about Alec Martinez not being them wanting to sort of move on from him, along, along with some other the veteran players who made up their core group from the Cup winners a few years ago. Um, Ray Ferraro was on TSN radio in Vancouver. He does a, a daily spot. Um, and I know that uh, Peter uh, contacted us and told us that they were talking about this on, on TSN radio in Vancouver this morning about the Canucks taking on Marlowe. Now the Canucks have a ton of cap space, but the, in, the intimation from Ferraro was for the, for the Canucks to take on Marlowe, the Leafs would have to trade them a raw, young roster player, and the guy he specifically mentioned was Connor Brown. Right. Um, but you know, they the the hosts um, who were interviewing him, you know, quickly moved to guys like Andreas Janssen. I'll tell you right now, the Leafs are not trading Andreas Janssen to facilitate the move off of. Patrick Marlowe. I think they'll give up prospects. I think they'll give up a draft pick next year. I don't think they're giving up a roster player unless it's a roster player that they're willing to move. And I don't think they're willing to move Andreas Janssen or Kasperi Kapanen for, to, to gain cap relief. Those are pieces that they could move to bring back players that help them, but not for cap relief. Right. Well, I mean, there's other ways to gain cap relief off of this too. If they deem he just can't play anymore, and they might, I know you, you know, you say he's got a little left, but yeah. let's say they look at it and say, you know what, this is really hampering us. They could just send him to the AHL and they'll get some cap relief off of his number. He's got a no move. He can't. Well, uh, he's got no move. Okay. Mar Marlo's okay, Marlo now that was really dumb. Yeah, that was dumb giving an old guy an old no move. Well, I mean, it's, it's a thirty-five and over deal, so it doesn't it doesn't really matter. There's no way to there's no way to wash that contract. Well, you can't wash it, but even thirty-five and older, I could send a guy down to the minors. Matt Molster, sure, sure, sure. But if you, if you give him no move on top of it, yeah. Right, right, right. And you know, he wants to move. You know, unless he could, unless they could uh, send him to the Marlies and then transfer him to the San Jose Barracudas. Right. You know, that's you know, he he's not going down to the American Hockey. League. No, he won't. He won't. So, and you know, it's a prideful guy. And again, he scored 16 goals last year. I mean, you know, he's not the player that he was the previous year, but is he still an NHL player? And is he still a pretty decent one? Yes. Well, so, what is, my basic point is what you're saying is fair, but if you could start next year and the calendar's moving on him, Father Time isn't slowing down for him. Sure. What if he's an eight goal player next year? It's possible. Like he could come sure. out of camp. And his legs could be shot, and that's why. And that's why, if you're a team like LA, who I think is looking more to clear long-term cap space, right? You know, you're taking the hit. I mean, the LA Kings are not competing and are not contending for a playoff spot next year unless they make radical changes. I, I really, I really believe that they, they've got. Uh, hold on, I have to, I have to preface this because Lee James said the Leafs will take Vertanen back. Vertanen has a good player. They are not doing that. He's now a key player for them. Yeah. I'll, okay. Okay. I'll give you. I'll give you two names that if it's a Vancouver deal that the, I think the Leafs would take, 
and I think Vancouver is would be willing to move on from. One is Chris Tanev. Right. Chris Tanev is making making four and I think four point four five million next year, and then he's a UFA, and he's again for the third season in a row he's played I think around fifty games, so he's missed thirty with an assortment of injuries. The guy simply right. can't stay healthy, but I think the Leafs because of their dearth of right hand shot defensemen. Uh, I think they would take him on. And well, science will have him playing like one and a quarter games every third game. Right. He'll play every time Kawhi Leonard plays. Right. Um, so, so Tanev is one. And the other one is Brandon Sutter. Now, Brandon Sutter's got a couple years left. I think he's making close to $4 million. But again, I think it would be worth it for the Leafs. You get the cap relief. Maybe Brandon Sutter allows you, if, if you think he can stay healthy, to maybe trade Nazem Kadri and he'd be your third line center, which I think he's cap- when he's healthy, he's capable of playing. But that that's the type of move I'm talking about here, where the team is getting some cap relief. And if if it's a if it's Chris Tanev for for Marlowe and the and the Leafs put in a draft pick or a prospect, then you know I, I don't I don't know where Chris Tanev is in terms of uh, the war his worth as a Canuck simply because he can't stay healthy and he's and there, he's being paid you know close to five million dollars a year. They got to re-sign Edler. They got Quinn yeah. who's coming. They're going to be in the Carlson sweepstakes supposedly, and if not him, then other other defensemen as well. So I mean. I think those are possibilities, but you know you're not getting Andreas Janssen or Casper Kapanen for cap relief. It's asinine. Um, yeah, no, it, that won't happen. Okay. Um, Mike did the will just hang up on him like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, we stop. I mean, I'm, I mean, honestly, it's like I'm just expressing like the fact that if a if I'm a general manager and I'm never going to be, but if I'm a general manager and a general manager, I don't know why it seems like you'd be a great one. Thank you. If I'm a general manager and somebody else is calling me up and he's like, well, I'll take Patrick Marlowe off your hands. And I say, okay, well, what are you, what, what are we talking about here? Well, I want Andreas Janssen click. It's over. That's you know, the, end of the click. You would intercom your secretary and say, please don't interrupt me with that guy with any calls ever. No, again. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. But I, I, I wouldn't do that. I would, be, I would, before hanging up on on his ass, I, I I would say, well, I don't think that that's realistic. I would, you know, give you a second round pick and you know take something some salary off your hands that way. But I'm not giving up a, a, a an NHL ready asset uh, for you to take six million dollars off my hands. And if that if that doesn't you know tickle his fancy, then okay, talk to you later. Have a good one. I'll see you in Vancouver. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, some, some news and notes here, and then we'll take some questions in the chat. Um, the Panthers hire three assistant coaches for Joel Quenville, uh, old uh, former Hawks and former St. Louis Blues assistant with, with Quenville, Mike Kitchen. That wasn't a shock. Andrew Brunette and Derek McKenzie, the former captain of the Panthers, um, were named assistant coaches. So, you know, veteran staff. I, 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 I'm just curious, Russ, is to see what this team looks like on, say, July 15th because, you know, we know that they're going to be in on Panarin, but we don't know whether Panarin's going to go there or the Islanders or the Rangers. We know that they might be in on Bobrovsky. If they are, then we don't know what's going to happen with Luongo or Reimer. There's a lot of what-ifs there. And it's going to be interesting to see what Dale Talon and what Quenville do over the next month or so. 
Yeah, it will be interesting. I I think I don't think Reimer's movable. So I think they're gonna have to live with that. I still would try the Luongo back to Vancouver thing. I would. And if I think I could get Bobrovsky. Or, you know what? I'm just gonna roll with the three goalies. Reimer, guess what? You're down in the minors. That's it. You know, I just worst case scenario, I'm paying too much money for that. But if that's what I have to do, that's what I have to do. The cap will go up a little bit. If I have to move another player out, I'll move, you know, move another player out. They'll have to do something if they want to get a top flight goalie and really become a contender. They're just not going to be in great cap position because of a guy like Reimer. But whatever. I mean, they can okay. get past that. Right. Reimer's got this upcoming season and one more year, $3.4 million. My assertion is, is that he's no longer a reasonable one B. I think he's a backup now. And that price as a backup is way too expensive. If they buy him out. Um, and I'm just looking at right now at the, um, salary, how it was dispersed. Um, it, he's 6.2 million, uh, for the next two years. Um, it would be two thirds of that, which would be a four or like a little over four, Divided over four seasons. That's a $1 million cap hit. He's a buyout candidate. Yeah. They can buy him out. You they hate can. to do it because he's a goalie. Because then someone would hire him for the minimum. But And honestly, Russ, I, I think if he's bought out or if Florida ate, the ate half the salary rather than spreading it over four years. You know, if they ate half the salary, his cap hit would be $1.7 million for, for two more years. I think a team that might be interested in him is the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, and that's why I don't think they'll buy him out. I think what they'll do is they'll get Bob regardless. They'll try and move Luongo. If they can't, hey, you know what? They'll roll with the three because Luongo always gets hurt too. So I think they'll just have to do that. Yeah, well, if, if, if they sign Bobrovsky, then they're going to have to. I mean, the only thing that trading Luongo, I mean, if that means Luongo is not going to play anymore and they just trade his contract to, to prevent the cap recapture, then, I mean, I don't think Luongo wants to go anywhere other than Florida. I don't no, think, I think, I think I, do you think he wants to be the veteran backup who tutors Thatcher Demko? I think he would do it if he realizes he'll never play in Florida. Right. Well, okay. That way he could play. Right. I think, um, I think, is it ideal? Sure. No, it's not. Yeah. And then again with Panarin, I mean, the talk has been, and we heard, and I don't understand this. Who, Jonathan Huberdeau is one of the best young forwards in the league, but there was a lot of talk before the deadline that they were looking to move out Huberdeau. Purportedly, if they were going to get Panarin, then they would move. They would move out uh, Panarin, or they move in Panarin and move out Huberdeau. Which I, you know, it's like I would think that the guy that they're going to move out, if they're going to move out anybody, it'd be Hoffman. Yeah. Because you got Huberto locked up on a long-term deal at a fairly reasonable cap hit. And, you know, you can't – and the cap hit is 6.2, but for another – or, sorry, not it's more more than that. Hold on. It's uh, – sorry. It's 5.9. It's 5.9 five, nine, five, nine for the next four years. So you got term there, but it's quality term. And he's a quality player. So I don't know what the anxiousness would be to trade Huberto. And I don't know if that's connected to Panera or not, but maybe that's, you know, that's the sort of give and take there. You get Panera and then, then you don't need Huberto or you can use Huberto right. to, you know, get something else that you need. 
Yeah, I think I, I do think that that's what they would do. I think Huberto would be that guy, and they can get something else they need. They they could get something else on the blue line. It's not like their blue line's perfect. So do now, that. Now this, I, I I I read this just before the show, and I'm puzzled, and I think it's. I don't even think it's a long shot. I think it's a pipe dream, but I, you know, I respect Don Brennan from the Ottawa sun. So I, I'm, you know, and it could be based on uh, things that he has heard, but his report today that Eric Carlson would be inclined, or he'd say more inclined to consider the Ottawa senators offer. I, I I'm sorry. I can't see Eric Carlson going back to a team oh. that is two or three years away from, you know, and, and this was said by the owner, two or three years away um, from contending for a playoff spot. Who Who is putting out this report? Don Brennan from the Ottawa Sun, who's a veteran reporter. He's, I mean, you know, he's basically saying that, you know, he doesn't think Carlson's going to get the long-term deal that everybody – he doesn't want to be in Ottawa. That's obvious. Why in the world? Well, one of the one of the reasons that he stipulated was his wife is from Ottawa and oh, she's wow. and she's homesick. Okay, but it's still yeah, not I, I know. I mean, but but you know, I, honestly, I I put I put Ottawa as like the. I'm not saying he's going to Buffalo or Toronto or Arizona or something like that, but I think um, Vancouver, the Rangers, the Panthers. The T Tampa Bay Lightning. There, I think there's like six, seven teams that are more likely that he goes to than the Ottawa Senators. Even just Montreal. Think about this, just think about this logically, right? Logically, and I get it. It's nice to write in Ottawa that hey, Eric Carlson might come back. He's not coming back. If his wife is at home sick, she'll have a home there, and he'll play somewhere close by where he can make the playoffs, like Montreal. And he yeah. just won't make the kind of money he's going to make. He can work it out. Eric Carlson's got a way of, you know, some some gravitas here where he could sort of carve out a little path for himself. So if he goes to Ottawa, there goes his playoff, the rest of his playoff career. He's not going to do that. It's not going to happen. We're, we're going to take some questions in the chat in a minute. But I just want to say this because I saw this on Twitter last night. And I am not advocating any kind of any kind of violence when it comes to people in the stands at, at games. But, uh, and we've seen this uh, gentleman on social media uh, more than a few times be a tool. And the guy named Mike Portnoy, who works for Barstool Sports. And oh, yeah. He was apparently in the stands at game four um, with, with a friend of his who was, a, was wearing blues gear right. and somebody behind him threw something and hit him. It didn't hurt him or anything like that, but, but right. I, don't know, I don't know if it was food or a cup or something like that. And then he made some big deal of it on social media. Well, honestly, if you're recognized and you're him and you've been spewing the stuff that you've been spewing on social media, then what the hell do you expect? Yeah. I mean, really? It's still not right that the person threw anything. Exactly. But he can't act shocked that it happened. Yeah. Not, was, not when you have that, that, that mass hole attitude that he has online, that persona. Yeah. That's what happens nowadays. Have you not noticed the world? Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's not exclusive to Boston. I'm sorry. There are jackass fans in every fan base. Right. So, but, but you know, honestly – 
if if you're if you're a fan of an opposing team and you sort of mind your own business and your p's and q's you're not going to get abused more you know like i mean i i you know i i i would say russ if you're just like i mean we've talked about mets and yankees and things of that nature but if you're just if you're just there nobody's going to really bother you too much no nobody's going to bother you they're not throwing anything at you just for wearing the opposing gear in right. St. Louis. It's now, not happening. Now, if you act like a nozzle, if you act like a, a douchebag, and yeah. you're like, you know, then then you're gonna and you're like in, in a vocal minority, then you're asking for it. He got identified and right. that person didn't like him. And that's what happens. I mean, it's unfortunate, but you know what? Again, how many times do these guys need to do the rounds and just push? that really low-lying mentality, low-lying fruit, low, low-brow mentality. Like, come on. Yeah, lowest common denominator mentality. It's like, I mean, I don't know if it has to do with the, with the, the, poli- the political arena and the way people are acting in that and that they think it's okay to do that because the president acts that way. Well, aspire to something better. Right, you know, as like be a be be a be a little more classy than that, and he was he was impugning the classiness of the St. Louis Blues fans, and I'm like, okay, you're one to talk, right? You know, you know. Anyway, okay, uh, let's take a few questions in the chat. And oh, by the way, uh, another another little news and note here. We we're I think we I don't know if we mentioned it on one of the shows, uh, but the, there was a a brawl at the end of one of the Calder Cup final games. Oh, Mike, it's Dave Portnoy, yeah, Mike. Dave Portnoy, I'm sorry, I, I apologize. You can you can spew hatred for, towards me since I got your name wrong. Um, uh, Curtis McKenzie, veteran AHL forward who played for Texas last year, playing for Chicago. Now he got suspended for Game Three for being. Um, uh, being in a skirmish at the end of game two, where apparently he punched a player several times while the player was down. So, um, you know, that's that's what, that's, that's what happens. Okay, uh, let's take some questions. All right. Let's see. Goalie FP wants to know, do we think there'll be a lot of draft day trades? I do. I think they'll um, – I, I know there'll be teams talking. I think the Flyers are possibly going to be in on something. I think the Leafs could possibly be in on something. I think. Well, Flyers- I, let, let's 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 ask and see if the person will respond. Do you mean trades involving draft picks or trades involving players on draft day? Because I think that I think draft weekend there's going to be a lot of player for player movement. Um, I, there might, you know, I think there'll be the occasional trade, you know, I'll trade a player for, I'll trade two picks to move up into the first round or second round. There are always those deals, but depends on what you're definite. If, if you're saying like hockey deals, I think those are going to happen before the draft and they're going to happen after the draft. I'm saying draft picks. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that, that always happens. Yes. They, there's always guys, if there's somebody that a team likes, like let's say the Leafs, uh, let's say Thomas Harley is sitting at 33 and the Leafs are at 56. They'll trade another pick to move up there and or pick from next year with another team in that spot to get them. There'll be those kinds of trades will always happen. I do still think the Flyers will try and trade up into the top 10. Whether that includes picks, it probably would. Mm-hmm. And maybe it wouldn't include them from this year. So I, I still think that that's a possibility too. Um, Bruce Cassidy in comments 
this morning said that if the Bruins do not have Chara and Grizzlick for game five, that they'll, it's possible that they'll play seven defensemen. So that means it could mean Camper and Vakanainen. So they'd pick their spots. Yeah. Which that's fine. I mean, that's, you know, you want to really hedge your bets that way. That's fine. I, I, I do think that that might work. And that probably means that a guy like Nordstrom would sit out. Um, and, yeah. yeah, they go with 11 forwards and Nor a guy like Nordstrom would be the guy sitting out. Yeah, probably. I, I Look, if Char is out and Grizzlick is out, it's a 50-50 chance that the Bruins win the Stanley Cup because somebody asked in, in the chat room. So I'll tell you it's 50-50 at that point. Mm -hmm. It was greater otherwise. I agree. But, uh, I, I again, I know, she, I, I know that teams can't play that high-impact physical style for multiple games in a row. Right. But – for St. Louis to win, they have to play closer to the way they played in game two and in game four. If they sit back, if they're passive, if they allow Boston to use their speed game and play their sort of, you know, antagonistic physical game, that's the game that they win. So I think I think for two, three games, essentially the Blues have to play with the throttle wide open. Yeah. That's the only way they're winning. I mean, Esmir wrote, this has been a surprisingly great cup final. I guess he didn't watch or listen to anything we said before the cup started because we said it was going to be a great cup final, Esmir. All right. Um, but Esmir also asked, um, can the Bruins afford Charlie McAvoy? My first answer is, I don't care. But then I'm going to look into it. I have Cap Friendly up, and they've got $14 million in space now. So looking at who is going off the books, like Bacchus has two more years. Right. So I'll probably try and move him out, but he's a 35-year-old. Like that was a bad – well, it wasn't 35 when he signed, though. No, actually – 32, I think. 32. That, that was just a bad deal, though. That's that's not a – that was not a good contract. They'll try and do something with that. Could he be bought out? Maybe. But I don't think they have to because they don't have a ton of major salaries. So what will happen oh, – yeah. I, I think I think they could, you know, not that they're they're in a less advantageous position than Toronto is with 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 Marlowe, but you could take back a player who is making less, who has longer term, or somebody who you think would be more useful that has a similar term. And I, you know, I'm going back to to Lucic. Yeah. You know, but Lucic is four more years. That's that is that is the albatross around Ken Holland's neck. Lucic is four more years at six. But that four years at, at six per is horrible. Yeah. When you saw last night, all he could do is cause a scuffle in the crease. He can't really do anything anymore. Yeah. In in this NHL, so they may try and buy him out. They may try and trade him. I don't know if they'll be able to. But I will say this, the world's supposed to end in 2030 and Marshawn comes off the books in 2025. So that's a pretty good indicator. Who said the world's supposed to end in 2030? Mike, you, you got to keep up with it. No, no, who? Who is this? Uh, it's a, it was an article. Nostr Nostradamus? No, it's not Nostradamus. Anyhow, getting back to this, though, McAvoy will be the highest paid player on the Bruins. He will, because Krejci makes 7.2. No, he's, he's no, 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 no. Oh, yeah, no, no, I think you passed her now. Yeah, Krejci makes 7-2, and he's got, what, one more year, I believe? Two, two, two more years. Yeah, but at least he's producing. No, he's producing. I mean, is he worth the deal? No, but he's producing. But all I'm saying is McAvoy will get more than that. McAvoy will be in the 
probably eight, eight and a half, nine category for seven or eight years. Like I'll, that's the way it's going to go. I'll say this right now. I mean, and I know probably four years down the line, and this won't look like a great deal. But the best, deal, one of the best deals in the NHL is Marshan making six point one two five for another six years. My goodness, it's a good deal. And I, I mean, on Brad Marshawn Appreciation Day, they're going to replay this now. Well, they can put, they can re, they can retweet my tweet yesterday with when I had a little rat eating cheese as a Brad Marshand update. <laughs> I will say this: Sean Corrali at um, one point two five is a pretty good deal. It's not their signing, but wow, that's that's pretty valuable. San Jose signing, correct? Yes, and that's a pretty good. That's pretty valuable to have a guy like that on your roster for the next two years at one point two per. 1.275. So that's kind of nice. So yeah, they're they're in pretty good shape cap wise. Um they don't even like your Marcus Johansson, it'll be up in the air whether they re-sign him or not. I, I don't think so, especially not the way he's playing right now. I mean he's yeah, he tailed he, off right now. He, well no, no, no. I mean he's he's playing really well in the playoffs. I think he, he played well up to a point. I don't think he's done much in the last few games when they really need. I mean, overall, he's played really well. I think he's going to get yeah. from a number of teams. He's going to get a three-year contract out of out of uh, out of this playoff. The way he's performed, uh, I don't know. I mean, there are a lot of teams out there that like to waste money on on free agent day. There are. Look, I like Marcus Johansson. I don't want to underestimate him, but I like I said, I I'm doing what you what have you done for me lately? Because if I don't get into if I don't win the cup, yes, he has 11 points in 19 games. But the last time I looked, I want to say he had 10 points in like three fewer games before that. You know, like he was doing better. Mm-hmm. Lately, it's, you know, he's got four goals. Like it's not like he's lighting it up. I can't – if I'm a team, I'm not giving him big money off of that. And I'm not talking about big money, but even three years. I don't even know if I want to give him three years. Well, I mean, the three years, I think he's going to end up in like the four range, four, four and a half. We'll see. I okay. think he'll, I think he'll he'll want more. Bill C. He says he'll bet McAvoy will get bridged. I bet you McAvoy won't want to be bridged. No, he's not going to. His camp will not accept that. No, we're talking eight year max deal. We're talking we're talking seven to seven and a half. We're talking, we're talking about your number one defenseman and with you know Zdeno Chara on his last legs next year or two he'll be done. I, I don't. I don't think the Bruins, I don't think the Bruins are at all interested in a bridge here, at all. I think they want. I think they want the long term, and I think McAvoy will want it because he can get the big money. Then he's gonna get paid. So actually, um, Bill C said that Corrali was signed by the Bruins. If that was, that was a really good signing. Okay, but I, I thought it was San Jose too. So, but I don't think honestly, I don't think Johansson is still killing it. I well. Okay, I just I think that's, be, that's not going. I, I think there will be interested teams out there in free agency in a in a market that is not particularly deep. Um, you know he's he's a he's a he's a quick forward with skill. Uh, he was that in Washington, and he was a cap casualty. He played well until he got hurt in New Jersey, and now he's been traded to Boston, and he's helped the Bruins in the playoffs. So I think he's a, he's not a front line player. He's not a he's probably a second line or third line winger. But I think you know a, a second or third line winger is going to get around four million bucks, and I think he's earned some term. In his last four games, 
He has two points, but he's had three games with no points at all. Mm-hmm. He's been a minus in a couple of them, and he hasn't had a lot of shots on goal either. To me, that's not killing it. No offense. Okay. Next question. Next question. Let's see. Next and last, because I probably okay. That's cool. uh, Hunter wants to know with the head coach, with the Ducks head coach gig still open. Do you like Dallas Aikens? Do you think it's important the job is filled prior to the draft? Thanks. I think Dallas Aikens, like Mike said, had the job, but then I think something has happened now since they've gotten into the Calder Cup where they don't love what they see, and now that seems to have slowed everything down, and now they're interviewing people where they weren't interviewing people for a while, right? I mean, I think I think they know what they have in Eakins, and I think they're just making sure they're dotting their I's and they're crossing their T's and looking at other candidates before they take the plunge. I mean, uh, the report came out a couple of days ago that they were talking to Sandlin, who we mentioned. I would take Sandlin over Eakins. Though. Right, but it's a no, question whether, whether, you know, first of all, they, they like Sandlin. I mean, you'd assume that they do since they want to. They want to interview him. They made those Lane Lambert and a couple other names mentioned. I, I you know, can I guarantee that it's going to be Eakins? No, but I, based on the fact that his name has been out there for so long, you know, I would think that he would be the still the favorite. But it doesn't mean that somebody else isn't going to get chosen. I um, well, Bill C actually says that McAvoy hasn't done enough to earn the highest contract on the team. I have to tell you something. In this era, he does more than enough. He doesn't have to score 60 points as a defenseman to get that money anymore. Well, I mean, that's sort of a it, – it's sort of a, a, a situation where it, it's sort of an optical illusion because they were lucky that they got the long-term deals on Bergeron, Marchand, Pasternak. Right. At the time that they did, they got them – in the midst of their prime for a favorable amount. And they got all three of them. Think of this. They got all three of them under $7 million a year. Yeah. All three of them, your top three forwards on the best line in hockey. You got, they got them all under 7 million. So, you know, that gave them the freedom to spend not wisely on Bacchus, but spending money on McAvoy is wise because he's, he's your arguably your future number one defenseman. So I, I, you know, honestly, I have no problem making. Hey, maybe that. they'll get him for eight, but he's probably going to make eight. Yeah, I mean, if if they get him at eight, he's twenty one, going on twenty two or twenty two years old right now. What? You get him on an eight year deal. That's till thirty. It's all yeah. prime. He may yeah. not. The thing is, he may not want eight. He may want six, so he can turn right. free agent at free agent at uh, at twenty eight in, in in his prime, and then you may pay him a little bit less. Maybe you pay him seven or seven and a half. Seven and a half is what Ekblad's making. Yeah, we're gonna go. Last word's gonna go to Cam, who yeah. is our captain obvious of the chat room, and says whoever wins Game Five will win the Stanley Cup. Thanks, Cam. Th- thank you very much. Um, now, if, could you give me some lottery picks? Uh, uh, the Mega Million is four hundred and seventy-five million today. Uh, <laughs> I play it. There you go. Ten bucks. I play it, and I win it. I can own this crappy show. <laughs> do, you have, do you have five bucks in your pocket? You can own this crappy show. For Russ Cohen, I'm Michael Agello. Thanks for watching. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Hockey Buzzcast. And remember, without the buzz, it's just hockey. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.